Hello and welcome to another episode of Nerds Amalgamated. I'm the professor and my co-host is the DJ. How are you going, DJ? I'm good. I'm good. Friday, been good. A uh, c- couple of cool th- cool things happened this week, such as the release of a very, very of good course, movie. Of course, you go on about the Snyder Cut. I know. I'm just happy it's finally out so you can stop talking about it. <laughs> it's, not, it's so good. <laughs> I'm putting a moratorium on this. This is the last time you can talk about the Snyder Cut. <laughs> so where did it come from? Oh, it, 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 what do you mean, where did it come from? <laughs> well, you want to talk about the origins of it. That's your your topic for the week. I was just going to say something nice about it, though, but I was going to say, how was your day as well before you came into where where did it come from? Oh, not bad. <laughs> Things broke. I fixed them. People were like, yeah, you fixed the computers. You saved us. And I'm like, you don't have to treat me like I just saved the world, but I'm not going to complain too much. You make it sound you make it sound like your work it, it, it nothing happened, but your workers make it sound like you're the best thing that happened since sliced bread. I know it's weird. <laughs> There's a, a very different level of esteem that they have for me compared to my self-esteem. <laughs> Next thing you know, someone will be saying, "I want your babies" or something like that. <laughs> Please no. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, I think um, there's only one, maybe two women in my office younger than me. <laughs> most of them, and I'm not like having a dig at older women, but most of them are significantly older than me and are already married. So, no, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Anyway, I'm an IT guy. I'm not a superhero. People aren't like that for IT guys. <laughs> hey, 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 sooner or later, if, if, if a superhero is a thing, they'll name you the professor. <laughs> Superpower, IT know-it-allism. <laughs> anyway, DJ, speaking of superheroes. <laughs> so, oh, sorry. What is the Snyder Cut? Why do you not <laughs> shut up about it? <laughs> So okay, so the Snyder Cut is basically um is basically uh, also the full title is known as J- Zack Snyder's Justice League, and the story goes that um Zack Sn- um, Snyder was making the Justice League movie just after Batman vs Superman: Dawn of Justice. So he was on the process of making the movie, and then um he left the project. I think uh two or three months later because of uh, family issues and whatnot. So uh, so Joss Whedon was sent in to um, make the movie and the movie was given lukewarm reception. Well, so, it's a, a DC superhero movie, so that's kind of good praise for it. Yeah, but then the problem with the with the just with Joss Whedon's um I wasn't jo- Joss Whedon's um actually no wait a minute. I say who's uh, essentially Jack Zack Snyder did, did the uh, Justice League movie as well. Huh. Well, apparently, I've only sort of skimmed the memes, but from what I saw, there wasn't a whole lot that ended up in the film that um, Joss Whedon actually filmed. Oh, yeah, he took over the post-production. Yeah, so it's mostly um, Zack Snyder work that was edited by Joss Whedon. Yeah. Apart from a little bit of, um, what's the term for it? Pickups, reshoots? Yeah, reshoots, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. yeah and so- then this version of it, from what I've gathered, is Snyder going back through and making a sort of director's cut with all of the original shots that he planned to have. Yeah. Which is why it is so much longer. Yeah. What's the uh, the length difference there? Four hours compared to what, 120 minutes <laughs> in the, yeah. in the Justice League movie. You know what people are going to remember in 100 years? The Lord of the Rings trilogy. <laughs> They're not going to remember this. I, I, I don't know, man. I don't know. I'll, okay, I'll tell all about it on the Nerdful Things part. Okay, but for this one, with, this, uh, with the Snyder Cut, it was basically came out after a lot of fanfare. So people were like saying, yes, really, it, there was like a Twitter movement going on saying re- hashtag release the Snyder Cut um, and so on and so forth. There were, a lot of people were complaining. A lot of people were saying like release the Snyder Cut, like from Kevin Smith to comic book writers like Rob Liefeld, Robert Kirkman, Jerry Ordway. Um, a lot, so a lot of people were saying about this then. And that's been hilariously parodied by <laughs> release the butthole cut for the Cats movie. <laughs> Oh no! Oh no! I don't want to think. About I'm kind it. of disappointed that that's just a meme. <laughs> Not that I'd want to watch the butthole cut, but oh. it's such a good story that they had to go through and edit out the buttholes. Oh, that would have been so. Oh man! If they really, if if they were that desperate, why not just go to Brazzers or or good old Pornhub for that for that to happen? <laughs> Uh, so the cut was announced on um last year yeah it was last year um so people so on a q and a on may 20, 20 2020 so snyder announced during a q and a after an online watch party of Ma- um man of steel that his cut of justice league will be released as Zack snyder's um justice league on hbo max in 2021 and people lost their minds they were like, oh my god, this is going to happen. Oh my god. So, now the movie has uh, cu- now that the movie has arrived, uh, people are uh, all asking for what was the uh, origin story of that. And so Zach did an, did a couple of interviews about it and there were some really telling story telling uh, messages from the from the articles. So, once so one li- couple of lines were said like so the, the the truth is, I was in such a desperation, I didn't care. You know what? Good riddance to Justice League, he says. I was like, guys, really? You're going to give me a hard time? Let's go. I'll fight I'll fight you right now. Um, he goes on to say, I was not in the mood for that kind of thing. I felt like we've done a great job and the movie was done. Even the two hour and 20 minutes version that the studio had knocked me down to. And then he continues on saying, almost every movie I've ever made has a director's cut. Okay, when I said, okay, I'm done, I told one of the directors I worked with, uh, put, it to- put it together as best as you can, give it to me. A bunch of my inner circle buddies who worked on the movie always talked always talked about, oh, maybe we should drop drop a thumb drive somewhere, let a fan uh, find it. And I was like, that's funny because I think it's better if it just lives as the thing as this thing, and no one will ever see I've lost my appetite for the fight. Uh, Professor? I'm here. I'm just listening to your prattle. (laughs) 
So, so have they – did they drop a, a, a USB drive? How is it yeah. that they decided to actually release it? Um, They decided to release it. Um, like, so is they, it just – is this Warner Brothers trying to make money back, realizing that they've made bugger all last year? That's what I was thinking as well. Like, they, it felt like um, Warner Brothers was saying, like, uh, you know what, we kind of screwed the fans over, but, uh, yeah, we'll, well – uh, we'll, we'll, what I mean is that they picked that up like a year ago before everyone knew they'd be in lockdown for most of the year in many countries, particularly the US, which is all they seem to care about at the movie studios. We could have gone to watch June in cinemas last year. I'm still bitter. <laughs> what? Well, well, uh, let me guess. You're not in. You still haven't left that left that part in the grief cycle, on, haven't you? Nope. I'm still bitter. <laughs> but they're releasing it. They announced a year ago, not knowing that people would be in lockdown for a year, then announced that it would be going straight to HBO Max. So mm. maybe like what I'm wondering is, did they see the writing on the wall about public gatherings? Because even in Australia, where we've got COVID pretty controlled, we still have um, limits on public events. So yeah. did they see the writing on the wall about that and decide to release it on streaming to make back at least a little bit of money because they're not doing any releases this year? Well, last I year. I don't think they um I don't think they really said anything about releasing it on streaming and stuff, but uh they did say that the management that he often clashed the media company that they clashed with on Justice League that being on different um being with different ma- being under a different management, they they allow, they actually allowed him to um, put the put his version up. They said they uh, what he the question was basically similar to what he said was, and now the same media company you clashed with on Justice League under different management is letting you put out your version of it. And his answer was, I appreciate that, I really do. This movie wouldn't exist exist if it wasn't for HBO Max. I'm eternally grateful for them, and the viewing experience is still a huge. Hugely um, high quality. It's really so. They're admitting DC superhero movies aren't worth releasing in cinemas. Yeah, because uh, nobody watches them. <laughs> to continue on, he goes says it's in the same aspect ratio as First Cow. Those two movies share a common DNA. I think. <laughs> I really, I, I really What's special like- about that. What's uh, First Cow? First Cow. I think it was second. Uh. F- First Cow is a 2019 American drama movie, and it. Hang on a second. It looks. It, it, it looks like it's a. Um. So it's something in relation with the 1820s. But um. Give me a second. They said here, Prince. Uh. The film was shot in the four four is to three aspect ratio. So I four think that's what. Three. They, yeah. Four is to three aspect ratio. I think that's, that's what. Weird. Yeah. Like that's square basically. Yep. So you've watched it. Is it actually square, or do they yeah. crop it? I'll 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 do more. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it was four to three. It was four to three as well. But I think the blue. I think when they when they bring the Blu-ray and stuff, I think they will expand it a bit more. But yeah. Well, if they shot it in four three, their only real option for converting to widescreen is to pan and scan, which is not a great option. Yeah. Although on the other hand, you get shows like. Um, Star Trek, which was filmed in in widescreen or something wider than four three, but blocked for four three. So you, talk- you can you can get um widescreen cuts of Star Trek, but then you see like mic booms and stuff <laughs> because nobody planned it out for uh 
widescreen. Which Star Trek are you talking about? Are you talking about the next gen or just Star I'm Trek not in sure. general? I don't remember which um, particular series it was. Fair enough. But um, he does have uh, he he. So another another question was was that uh, was that to draw an intentional contrast with what Marvel is doing in the, in the movies? And he he wrote, "I knew it before um, Batman versus Superman when we made Man of Steel. Marvel is doing something else. They're doing at yeah, the they're highest- being successful." Yeah, uh, they're doing at the highest level this popular action comedy with a heart, and they have they have that nailed. An effort to duplicate that is insanity because they're so good at it. What DC? So why are they trying to duplicate it? <laughs> I think what it was he's just saying is obvious. <laughs> we know copying Marvel was a bad idea. So why does DC keep copying Marvel? I think it was I think it was Warner Brothers that were trying to do that because they were trying to make it like how um oh yeah because Marvel had done it why don't we do it because it rakes because it's money it's the money thing yeah I suppose maybe he um disagreed with it but Mar- uh that not Marvel Warner Brothers pushed him into it yeah they said uh, what DC ha- has was mythology and epic level and we're going to take going to them take them to an um, to this amazing journey. Frankly, I was the only one saying that. <laughs> hey, it would be a shame if uh, they made DC movies without mythology. So, um, so, so, somewhat, so, one, uh, one question was: How did you end up with with lot with enough footage for a four-hour movie? And he goes, "I do it on every movie. I tend to shoot a lot, but it's really carefully done. It's not like we're just running a second camera. Everything is very methodical, thought out." When I sit down to draw the movie, the movie's different than the movie the studio wants or it, that anybody knows about. <laughs> so, uh, when asked about the questions, what, uh, whether they've gotten, whether they're going to make further Justice League movies, um, and what would happen in them, the so he, this is his version of it. So, it is the fall of Earth when Superman succumbs to anti-life and then sends Flash back in time to change one element so that doesn't happen. And then the big battle where we beat him. When is Dark that the Side- plot of Snyder Cut? Uh, that's the plot of future of um, Justice League movies. If it if the Snyder Cut was became the Snyder Universe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was the this was what's going to happen to future Justice League movies. So like the Dark Side comes to Earth, and in the movie you will never see him, and the armies of Earth all unite as they did before, and this time there will be aircraft carriers and special forces guys, and all the armies of the world will come together, as well as Atlanteans and, and uh, Themyscarans coming off their island. This would be one big finale. It's, it's a long drum roll and guitar solo to get there. How is that not copying Infinity War? <laughs> uh, I think it was, it's just more of a human element to it, like normal people rather than, uh, event, like you see in Infinity War, it's just like tons and tons of super-powered human beings. Then why make a superhero movie? I mean, superheroes are, superheroes are meant to be like this one, like a special individual out of millions and millions of people kind of thing. You know, like Spider-Man, for example, the, what are the odds like... One one person would get bitten by this mutated spider and get superpowers. So it'd be like the Quite one, odd, actually, <laughs> because it seems to happen every five years or so when they reboot it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I knew you were going to bring out the Spider-Man reference. <laughs> I mean, if that happens to every other every other hero movie, I'll be pretty funny. <laughs> 
Oh, and you were saying about Marvel movies copying the same thing. Um, here's another interesting bit from it, for, for it. So when you see what Marvel is doing in, in its movies, do you ever think, I should be doing more of that? And he goes, no, not at all. I don't know how how to, I don't know how to hit a ball any different than I hit it. Any director has one skill, your point of view. That's all you have. If you're trying to imitate another way of making a movie, then you're on a slippery slope. I mean, he's got a point. Yeah, he's got a point. They've just dropped it <laughs> because they um. You know, he doesn't want to do what Marvel does. So they rush into doing the collaboration movie before they've set up the characters. So nobody cares who the characters are. And everyone complains about how it's all all a big mess. Yeah. Yeah. Was it uh, Coppola, one, Coppola said that same sentiment as well? So, I mean, if, if Zack Snyder says that, that's, that's kind of telling. That's really telling. <laughs> yeah. So I reckon, you know, they shouldn't be copying... Marvel, but whatever it is they're doing, they're doing it wrong because they just aren't, you know, they're trying to not copy Marvel by skipping the first nine steps in Marvel's 10 step plan. But here's okay. Well, here's the here's the question though. Like part of the problem with Marvel is when they always do these like big ten step plans and they have this build up and stuff. But at, on this, but at the same time, it's always oh yeah, we're just, we're catering to the fans. We're we're doing this for the fans, kind of thing. Like if a fan wants to see another Iron Man, um, wants to see an Iron Man movie, what's what's to stop Disney from going? Yeah, we're gonna we we'll make another Iron Man movie. You mean like Sony has with Spider-Man every five years? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, like, what was it with Venom? But the, yeah, but what I'm trying to say is like, the fans would would be saying like, I want more Marvel movies. We want more Marvel movies kind of thing. Well, they clearly are because Marvel movies keep making boatloads of money. Yeah, yeah. Um, And for the last part, the... Uh, Actually, last two parts. So the last last two questions was one of the question was, do you think your Justice League has broader implications for the film industry and the lengths that studios will continue on to cater to audiences? And his response was, this is a social experiment for millions of people. It's, oh, look, a giant superhero movie. I guess that's cool. But then for a large portion of my fans, it comes custom made. As a viewer, you have the perception more than ever that the movie uh, was made singularly for you as you watch it it is the culmination of this entire experience i fought and used this hashtag hashtag release the snyder cut and it's my, and it's my world in my computer on my tv in my house i don't think say anyone... it's made for you and you only yeah you and everyone else who retweeted it <laughs> like that doesn't make any sense yeah he says i don't think anyone can quantify what that means yet that's what he that's his end, right. end sense. And at the end of it... Uh, I think it's he's waffling. Much <laughs> like you do. He's saying bullshit to fill in time. <laughs> and at the end of it, he goes, what would you... Uh, so the, the last question was, what will you do when it's finally released? I have to go to the dentist on the 18th? That's how my day is going to be. <laughs> well, that's... Uh, I don't need to know that. <laughs> Tell me something interesting. <laughs> But yeah, basically, I, I think he's trying to say is that the Snyder Cut was his, his love child and everybody should enjoy it, enjoy watching it. Like it was his hard sweat, hard, hard work and sweat and tears put into it and we should all enjoy <clears> it. But uh, as much as I like to say that the Snyder Cut is going to be, it, it, it is going to be a great movie to watch, uh, I uh, I don't know whether, I, I 
I'm I'm hating the fact that we won't see much much more of the uh, Snyderverse as as people would like to term it. Why not? Uh, because it's already it's it's now a deemed canon the uh, original Justice League movie. So and and plus the I think the Warner Brothers will be say will be having other plans as well. So fair enough. So moving on to people who should be shut out of a canon, EA has screwed up again. Ah, oh, not again. Yep. Have you ever played an EA sports game? Hell yeah. The in FIFA the last game? 10 years or so? Yeah, the FIFA games were addictive. Well, that's the issue we're having here. FIFA is a problem. Oh, no. Yeah. No. There's... <laughs> Eurogamer cracked open a black market from an EA employee selling directly, like, directly selling characters without any of the loot box shenanigans. They're selling, you know, thousand, uh, thousand euros for two moments, whatever that means exactly. So you can just dump money on this guy and he'll give you stuff without you having to play the loot box lotto. What? <laughs> that, yep. that easy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, here we go. Moments are special um, prime icon moments. They're special versions of icon cards, which are when you're building your team, it's sort of like a deck builder. You have a deck of character cards and that represents a game or tournament that was special for the player. Okay, so kind of like uh, kind of like those trap cards you see in um, Yu-Gi-Oh and stuff like that. No. Okay. It's more like um, a shiny card or a misprint. You know those cards that turn up that are worth millions. Oh, okay. That except you get them out of loot boxes. Which, to be honest, um, random card packs for Yu-Gi-Oh or Magic or whatever are kind of the, you know baby's first loot box. <laughs> <laughs> At least for people in our generation. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because uh, loot boxes weren't a thing yet. Kids these days don't know what they've grown up with. <laughs> oh, my God. We're sounding like old, we're sounding like old people now. Yeah. <laughs> Growing up with loot boxes for your entire life. What does that do to a person? <laughs> Remember the day when, when loot boxes was never a thing? <laughs> Yeah, so while EA investigates their employees to find out who's doing this, they have decided the best option is to indefinitely stop you buying uh, the loot packs. Oh, I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> no, I, that kind of makes it, you know, makes it harder <laughs> to get the characters, so... <laughs> Not only makes it makes it harder, it just ruins the fun of the game. You just that's like, I mean, well, how much fun is opening five hundred loot boxes to hope you get the character you want? Oh yeah, that's ah, uh, I don't think yeah. Well, you're right; it's not that fun. But there's, it's always it, that's the scary part. Like we always say, gambling is is evil and and stuff like that. But when it cut and gambling stuff. No, but then it's now so ingrained. It's always that hype of, oh, I wonder if I get this card. I wonder if I get this card. Come mm. on, come on. Well, that's how they get you, DJ. And sorry, uh, correction, I misunderstood. They're not uh, stopping you from buying the loot boxes. They're stopping oh. staff from giving out characters. So oh. <laughs> I just had to double check a uh, definition there. They were um, characters... <laughs> Could be given out by staff, custom characters, particularly for famous people. 
apparently famous players have their own cards of them highly rated versions of themselves which are given out by EA employees so now they've suspended that oh that's yeah I mean it's a sensible move that makes I mean, sense yeah yeah it's a sensible it's a sensible move I mean like you're not like doing this whole thing it feels like a confl- doing this whole thing initially it's like a conflict of interest yeah, though giving out like really high-powered characters to famous people does feel a bit of a, like it's a bit of a problem because your average person can't compete against someone with high-powered char- characters as easily. It's not pay to win because you're not paying, but yeah, famous anyway, so it's famous to win. <laughs> oh, you well, t- t- yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And um like I was watching Young. I was watching Young Year about this, and yeah, he made an interesting video about it as well, like saying you have to play two point five years straight or spend a hundred and ten thousand dollars just to have a top tier ultimate team. And this yeah. is a FIFA player saying it. Yes, he. Um, I'm not sure if it was him that my source had, but my source had same number of hours, but eighty thousand dollars. Probably a conversion rate thing. Is yeah. Young Year an Australian? Uh, American. Oh, okay. Um, might be a conversion or a miscalculation. Probably someone's come up with their yeah. own numbers somewhere too. Yeah, but but yeah it's um, tens of thousands of dollars to come up with the ultimate team with all the ultimate team cards. And you don't need to play anything at all. My God. No. Or how many hours did you say again? Uh, 2.5 years straight. Yeah. And keep in mind, that's for a game that's only really valid for one year because next year, the next FIFA comes out and because it's a sports game, everyone migrates, and then you, you've spent the whole year grinding straight, not sleeping somehow, to get less than halfway to your goal, and it's suddenly worthless because you can't transfer characters across. <laughs> if you have unspent premium currency, you can transfer that, but you can't transfer your characters. That would be silly. Nah, you can't. And not to mention, like, most of the teams that you... Let's say the team build that, that you built up now, next year their stats will be changed so... Might might be changed significantly. Like, some might, might be changed a lot, uh, a lot less. But, yeah. I do quite enjoy that there are projects for uh, things like the original Tecmo Bowl. I spoke about it a few months ago, but there are projects for things like Tecmo Bowl where they add uh, custom teams through ROM hacks so that this game from the, you know, the 90s has 2020s uh, teams and rankings in it. Oh. (laughs) I enjoy that as a a way of sticking it to the man. (laughs) You got a group of dedicated fans who don't want to be... you know, don't want to be churned over for endless amounts of money or play a game that is worse one year after another because they take features away. They don't even maintain feature parity from year to year. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the biggest culprit for that would be uh, Madden and how they 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 change they change so bad. Well, I wouldn't say cha- um, change so badly. They change they change stuff, and most of the changes that you see are all copy and pasted as well. Yeah, sports fans they don't care about you. <laughs> they know you'll buy the game because you have no other option to play a FIFA game. If you want to play a soccer game with real teams and real characters, you'll you'll pay the money. 
because you have to. And that's why they get away with bullshit like this. <laughs> and that's why you see games like, I think um, Pro Evolution Soccer has a knockoff teams um, roster where every team kind of sounds and looks a bit like the real thing, but just enough that they don't get, a, don't get sued. Yeah, but put it this way, though. Who do, do, would you rather play um, against? Actual? Would you rather play with like actual teams with actual stars and stuff, or and with all the brands and stuff? Or would you rather play a a game that has um that doesn't really have all the licensing and it's just a exactly? That's my point. The people yeah. who want to play a game with the licensing only have one place to go. Yeah, and that's FIFA. Yeah. Do you reckon this whole it, oh man, this whole E gate? Situation feel makes makes it sound like the Watergate uh, saga is a is a two bit operation by at this point. Like everybody's no. doing this. Watergate's still bigger because it affected an entire country's political system. Hmm. But how do you, how, but do you reckon this will change the the games the gaming landscape uh, as a whole? No, I don't think this is going to have a big change. I think the only change is when people vote with their wallet on this case. If EA, um, well, if FIFA, because FIFA is the one responsible for licensing to EA, sees that EA isn't pulling uh, players because of predatory loot box tactics and other irresponsible stuff like this, they might think about giving it to a different company. Do you remember... um, EA got in trouble for the uh, over the Star Wars license. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. They weren't making enough money on the Star Wars license because they put <laughs> out rubbish games and bad PR. And yep. now the Star Wars license isn't solely EA's anymore. Yeah, who who's it now? It's I don't remember. Yeah, no, I I do recall that the EA pulled off the um, Star Wars license was pulled off by to EA, but I forgot who was who who was it given to. I would need to um, check that one out. Yeah, I think the other thing that will push them is, but not enough because they will still have the loot boxes, is government mandates to release things like the the odds on the loot box. Um, so as an example, Pokemon Go added, well, they have kind of loot boxes. There are eggs that you can hatch by walking a certain distance. And when you walk that distance, the egg triggers and hatches and gives you a random Pokemon from a selection. Until very recently, and now they're trialing it, uh, that's completely opaque. You don't know what you're going to get. Like a box of chocolates. (laughs) Um, But now, although every box of chocolates I've ever seen has uh, either a window on it or a, a label that tells you what's in there, so... Maybe that was a better metaphor back in the 90s when that movie was made. <laughs> um, but now you can view what uh, options are in the egg. So I think that's uh, probably a response to government pressure to curb microtransaction gambling. Yeah. Because while you can't buy eggs, you can buy incubators which let you hatch the eggs. And not to um, mention, yeah. it will also depend on the studio's um, discretion and whether they want to add in loot boxes in- entirely, wouldn't it? Yeah, if um, 
Well, what I want to see as an end goal is for companies to stop using loot boxes as major money-making tools. Unfortunately, that's not really going to happen because of the uh, the way the industry has gone, and it's such an effective way to make money. Oh, yeah. But I think, you know, microtransactions, I think, are painful but annoying as long as they're just for cosmetics. If oh. they change the... Uh, you know, if it's pay to win, get that out of here. If it's random chance and complete. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Completely opaque. Get it out of here. <laughs> because, uh, you know, players are obviously turning to this. If the value of an elite player card is, in some cases, a couple of thousand dollars from this article, then <laughs> clearly that's because players are expecting to get a benefit off the black market for a couple of thousand bucks rather than spending it on the legitimate loot boxes for a couple of thousand bucks. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's like a shortcut. Why um why why go through the um the hassle of a loot box when you can go through the direct source and just get and get what you want. Yeah, Although- so clearly the value of these characters in players' minds is a couple of thousand dollars. I don't know how that compares to the odds of actually getting the Pokemon, Pokemon, getting the player from uh, loot boxes, but players must think it's a worthwhile trade-off. So how ridiculously unbalanced, like you actually know, we know how much because we have those sources, tens of thousands of dollars to get the full team. Yeah. And it's also the fact that the, and it's like um, Fallout 76 when they had the uh, developer room glitch. I don't know if you're familiar with that story where uh, it, someone, um, someone figured out the developer room where you can get all this exclusive loot. Of course, that's a traditional thing for Bethesda. <laughs> of course, they, they left that in a bloody multiplayer game. <laughs> Honestly, and- I would be surprised if they hadn't. <laughs> <laughs> Typical and- Bethesda. Oh, I know, I know. So the funniest part was, so when when, when Bethesda caught wind of this, they decided to send an email and uh, saying like, "Hey, uh, hey, hi, Cheetah, if you um, tell us how you got this leg- legendary loot, and um, yeah, we'll unlock your account. If you if you can't, then um, yeah, g- then um, yeah, go, go screw yourself." <laughs> well, I can kind of understand that. Yeah, but can but can you imagine EA pulling that sort of a p- pulling that sort of a stunt though? Like, say EA doesn't need the bad PR, which is why I would totally expect them to do it. <laughs> could EA like good PR for EA is not a thing that. But the, the the point I'm trying to make is like could could you see EA just police the hell out of this thing like or like 
Hey, um, hey, you. Uh, how did you get this legendary player? Just um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll. Well, lock they your are account. promising to ban everyone who did this. Yeah, good luck with that. <laughs> I don't think it'll be hard to track. I Could think it- it'll probably be fairly easy for them to figure this out because I'm- they uh, they just need to if their system has any sort of security at all, there should be a log in the database for which employee account gave out. A particular item but we'll move along but before we do the most ridiculous part is this quote from ea this alleged behavior is unacceptable and in no way do we condone granting or purchasing player items in exchange for money <laughs> in, in the exact uh, and and in the exact words i would say this bruh bruh yeah. <laughs> they didn't think that through well. Later, they say, we do not allow the trade or sale of items outside our game. <laughs> Inclu- for many reasons, including that it would create an unequal playing field for our community. Real-world trading is banned in most games. <laughs> so that's understandable, but we don't condone granting or purchasing player items in exchange for money. <laughs> Meanwhile... <laughs> They're there just taking all your money for the loot boxes. Which take all surprise mechanics. (laughs) And baseball cards. Remember that one? That chestnut? (laughs) Yep. Oh, man. EA. (laughs) You never stop. Never, never stop changing EA. Never change. (laughs) EA are the people who got bored of digging a hole and hired a bigger digging machine. Moving on to other horrible creatures. <laughs> the cone snail, which is a beautiful shell that you should never, ever touch because it will kill you. Lives in tropical waters and hunts worms by releasing pheromones. So not only are they ambush predators, they shoot out. The, like, they have this little tentacle with a harpoon on it. So if you, even if you pick them up from the back, they can spin around and shoot you. Uh, and is the venom yeah. deadly? It can be. Ugh. So some researchers have found a species, uh, Conus imperialis, which is a very pretty one. But never pick it up even if you think it's dead, because it might not be, and it will ruin your day. It lives off bristle worms, and it hunts them by pretending to be another bristle worm out for a, a bit of happy adult fun time. <laughs> It releases pheromones for the the bristle worms. All the other bristle worms in the area think, oh, they smell good. Let's go <laughs> check them out. And they get over there. And then the, the cone snail kills them and eats them. <laughs> Makes it sound like some terrible, like, t- t- terrible uh, movie. Like, yes, <laughs> this cone snail has the power to kill it, to kill people. To kill its other species. (laughs) How does it do it? No one ever knows. Can you imagine being on Tinder and just every now and then you swipe and you get murdered, which actually (laughs) probably... Oh, no, that's not really a joke, I guess, because that probably happens more often than it should, (laughs) which is never. (laughs) But I'm sure there's been a hand, like, at least a handful of people who have been murdered on a date they got on Tinder. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What's so interesting is that 
each species of cone snail uses its own uh, particular venom. So one type uses artificial fish insulin and kills its prey that way. So researchers who are a lot braver than I am, because I wouldn't be going things with a 10-foot pole, <laughs> are collecting cone snail venom for experimental drugs. One of them is uh, Prealt, which is a painkiller. Can you imagine they make an aphrodisiac out of this? Not for people, for the bristle worms. <laughs> people don't do pheromones like that. If they do, it's not as strong as for worms. So although the cone snails aren't uh, known to actually eat bristle worms, it seems likely that they eat other worms which react the same way. And it just happens to be that they had bristle worms in the lab. I mean, this is it, it, it's very interesting uh, seeing the uh, how the world of s- how sea um, sea creatures operate in the ocean. Yeah, it's a really interesting method of hunting. Lure hunters are actually really interesting because they're all based around some aspect that their prey desires and lure them in and then eat them. Cone snails apparently use pheromones. Anglerfish use light. Yeah, and some animals have body parts that look like other animals' body parts. And when their prey thinks, oh, look, there's a nice bit of prey, boo! You get eaten! <laughs> It'll be interesting if they're, if they're using um, in human, in human um, applications this yeah. sort of, uh, this sort of um, hunting, well, not hunting strategy. Um, if they use this venom for like other uh, other uh, fields, like medicine and um, whatnot. Um, one of my favorites is the death adder, actually. It Ooh. hides itself and wiggles its tail. So, oh, look, a little worm flies down to eat it, and then the death adder eats it. <laughs> Isn't that similar to the rattlesnake, though? Um, or is it. Uh, I know, uh, I know the rattle is a warning. Ah, okay. Because snakes don't generally like to bite you because venom production is biologically expensive and they um, snakes don't want to bite you because you're bigger than them and you could severely injure them. They know they can't eat you, so they, they kind of just rattle to say, bugger off. Because they're mostly territorial, aren't they? I don't know if they are. If if there are any uh, snake experts in our pot in our uh, in our listeners, please let us know how do uh, how do snakes operate. We would like to hear from you. Yeah, snakes are pretty cool. Can you imagine um, employing this sort of tactic in um, in other animals? Like, can you imagine lions doing this? I don't want to. <laughs> I, I, actually, no, no, no. Imagine the penguins doing this. Oh God. <laughs> We have penguins lure us in with their cuteness. <laughs> all hail the mighty penguins! All hail the mighty penguins! <laughs> so on to our nerdful things, DJ. What have you done? So as I we said, know uh, already, but... yeah, we know already. So the Snyder Cut. Oh, I, I, I saw the Snyder Cut. All four hours of it. It has an intermission, doesn't it? It does have an intermission, but that's if you're watching it on TV, though. I I, I saw it straight off on um, streaming services. But uh, yeah, that that was a that that make it makes um the Justice League movie the shorter version look like a Saturday morning cartoon show. And 
I don't want to. I I don't want to spoil much because there's some. Uh, there are some good details that they that they cut off in the other one. But yeah, there in this version, there there are the soundtrack's good. There is a lot of a lot of good cinematography. Uh, the pacing was good as well. How they paced it from like has a slow build up to a nice um to a nice crescendo moment and a very set, um humbling ending. Um. So when you say it makes the other one look like a cartoon. Yeah. Is that because the CGI is better or because it's really dark? It's really dark and there's no, there's not like, you know, the happy-go-lucky humor that you saw in, like you would see in the first, like you would see in like a Marvel movie, for example. Like there's always the happy-go-lucky humor, like, ah, it's so funny. You think like there's no, there's, there's no such, there's not much humor in it. In the in the in the Snyder in the Snyder cut, it's dark, it's um, broody. Um, there is a lot of tension in it. There's a lot at stake in the movie. Like it, with the Marvel movies, there is a lot of tension, but you don't see that much tension. And the villains in this movie are more intimidating, are more intimidating than um, what you see in the Marvel movie, for example. Like Thanos, it, like with the exception of Thanos, but the other movie, other ca- other. Um, characters like loki and ultron and um and and your solo and, and the solo movie villains as well so they're, they're not that intimidating so yeah that what that's what makes snyder cut really good to watch so what would you rate it um as much as i en- enjoy that movie i would give it a 4.5 out of 5 there are Why? some little there, there are some the, the long my the long hours was the was the one thing that kind of like eh yeah, and I, I, I know it's a long movie, but yeah, four hours that makes Bollywood movies look look like TV show. That make Bollywood movies look like TV shows. I heard you the first time, DJ. Yeah, sorry. Well, I've been playing Spelunky, not Spelunky Two. I actually have had the original for a while, and then seeing the uh, the second one just came out recently, or is under development, made me think I never actually got around to playing that. So I might as well do it. And it's addictive. You play as a uh, spelunker, a well, a caver, sort of like Indiana Jones, going so to... Have... So, sorry. Oh, sorry. So you have a magic whip as well? Yeah, you have a whip. It's not magic per se. Uh, but you enter a, enter a cave in search of treasure. So it's a sort of randomized maze-like generation for the map with lots of Indiana Jones sort of adventure tropes. Even the mink cat- snakes. You have <laughs> Even- the hat. Oh, yeah, the hat. Yeah, I see it. Like, you have the hat. <laughs> it looks like Mario. Okay, I don't know what you're smoking. Oh, no, I mean, like, look, I'm looking at the level design. It just looks a bit like Mario with all the um, platforms and whatnot. Okay, sure, if you say so. What's the uh, biggest flaw you've encountered in this game? So far, um, some of the deaths I've had feel a bit cheap, particularly uh, with the shopkeeper. Sometimes I've accidentally angered a shopkeeper, and those guys are super fast, super strong. You basically can't fight them one on one. They will kill you and tear you to pieces. <laughs> wow, shopkeepers fight back in this game. <laughs> yeah, Damn. if you try to rob them, if you attack them. Uh, if you blow up their shop, which includes the rolling boulder, the rolling boulder destroys terrain. So if it rolls past their shop, they will get very upset with you because you triggered the boulder by stealing the idol. <laughs> so I think uh, three and a half out of five. Yeah, yeah. 
Actually, I'll take that back about the Mario thing. It does not look like Mario at all. Yeah, I didn't think so. Yeah. So we'll have a quick ad break and then be back with our shout-outs, birthdays, events, and experiences. On with the shout-outs. On the 9th of March this year, Cliff Simon, a South, Amer- South African actor famous for being in uh, Stargate SG-1, passed away at 58. His wife wrote, he was a true original, an adventurer, a sailor, swimmer, dancer, actor, and all. There was a gaping hole where he once stood on this earth. He was loved by too many dimension and had a great impact on so many lives. He loved his fans and engaged with them on social media and regular convention appearances around the globe. He was killed in a kiteboarding accident at Topanga Beach in Malibu, California. On the 17th of March, 2021, we have the 15th anniversary of V for Vendetta. Everyone knows that mask and knows some edgy child using it. <laughs> Remember to remember the 5th of November. Yeah, that's um, an older thing, but it's being preserved by edgy children <laughs> and by British people having Guy Fawkes parties. Oh, yeah. And on the 20th of March, we had the 15th anniversary of The Elder Scrolls Oblivion, the third game in the Elder Scrolls series, released on uh, PC and Xbox 360, a year later on PlayStation 3. The mobile version of the game released on May 2nd, 2006. Is that... Yep. What kind of phone would even run that? <laughs> oh. It can't have been like a full RPG version. It's probably would, something like Elder Scrolls Blades. I would say maybe like a Nokia Engage or something like that could do it. I doubt it because the um, Bethesda engine's not known for it being optimized. Um, I, I decided to search and all I can find is Android versions. So um, I'd have to look into that myself later. So this was the first of the sort of modern Elder Scrolls. The first two ran on a very different engine. Oh, the same routes, but there's a lot that happened in Oblivion for the first time. Sorry, have I... I've messed this up entirely. This was the release of Oblivion, not Morrowind. <laughs> I just completely Aww. skipped the line in the summary. <laughs> <laughs> no! So it's just a fourth game. <laughs> It was the first uh, Elder Scrolls game to feature fully voiced NPCs and included the Radiant AI engine, which is a really interesting concept. Characters would have their own lives and go around their their lives. You'd have to go and find them in bed if you turned up in the middle of the night. And yes, I found a a source on the uh, mobile Oblivion. Oh, yeah? Yes, on Java-enabled phones, which uh, there were a few of at that time, it uh, looks like you play as a different character and it's a very stripped down, sort of a D-make looking uh, game. Looks more at home on a 16-bit console. I've got, I can throw you one even better. There was an Oblivion mobile interview. Okay. So this, was, this interview was conducted in early 2006 by a website called ElderScrolls.net, asked uh, VIR2L President Douglas Frederick about the development of Oblivion Mobile with input from Greg Gordon and Brad Pitzer. Just uh, load it up here and it'll be on the show notes, folks. So Yeah. For uh, remembrances, on the 15th of March, 2007, we have Charles Harrelson. He is an American hitman and organized crime figure. 
who assassinated the federal judge John H. Wood Jr., the first federal judge to be killed in the 20th century. He is the father of Woody Harrelson. According to Woody, his father disappeared from their home in 1968, leaving his wife to raise Woody and his brothers. Woody lost track of his father until news broke for the murder of Judge Wood in 1981. Woody says, uh, My father is one of the most articulate, well-read, charming people I've ever known. Still, I'm just now gauging whether he merits my loyalty or friendship. I look at him as someone who could be a friend more than someone who was a father. Charles Harrelson also claimed to be responsible for killing JFK and then later said in an interview, at the same time I said I had killed the judge, I said I had killed Kennedy, which might give you an idea to the state of my mind at the time. This was while he was reportedly high on cocaine and a six-hour standoff. (laughs) So, but come on, man, don't feed the conspiracy theorists. But can you imagine just being high on coke and going on a six hour, going on a standoff after six hours? Yep. Uh, he died at 68 from a heart attack in Florence at Max USP in Colorado. For our famous birthdays, we have on the 15th of March, 1866, John Vaila, a Norwegian inventor and patent clerk, erroneously identified as the inventor of the paperclip. In 1901, he designed a kind of uh, paperclip consisting of a thread of uh, wire, applied for a German patent in November that year. DJ, check the dates. What do you mean? It was right. Uh, to, uh, okay, to... US patent. You have messed, you've still messed it up. You've said the German patent was granted in June. I think he, he also filed it. it... How <laughs> old he... Yeah, but if he fi- applied for the German patent... In 1901, no, hold on, hold on, stick with me. Wikipedia is wrong. (laughs) How often does this happen? Not often, because Wikipedia's got so many people double-checking it, right? Yeah. This is the first time I personally have seen confirmed to be wrong. In 1901, Wikipedia says, in 1901, Vela designed a kind of binding blah, blah, blah. He applied for a German patent on November 12th of that year. It was granted on June 6th, 1901. <laughs> so his patent was granted before he ever applied. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the um, yeah, there's some mistake here. I'm going to go with the date that he sub- submitted it because I don't speak German, but pulling up the... Uh, the patent reference in German <laughs> does have a date for July uh, 1901. Okay. So I'm going to go with November was not the year he applied, was not the month that he applied. I wonder if, um, I wonder if that'll be on Google's patent archives. Anyway, I'm going to look into this later. <laughs> oh, might be my first Wikipedia edit. <laughs> Ooh. We're not putting this out until I find this find the truth. <laughs> so, unfortunately, despite getting patents in uh, the US and Norway in 1901, well, US and Germany, really, a more functional paperclip was already being produced in Britain by a British gem manufacturing company, but was not yet marketed in Norway. <laughs> the British design was superior because it had two loops of wire. <laughs> And because um, patent authorities were quite liberal and rewarded marginal modification of inventions with uh, patents, he was able to get the foreign patents. 
That's that's like a like oh I have this water bottle, but I'll, I I made it I I I'll be granted a patent because the the water bottle neck is longer than the uh, traditional ones. Yeah. <laughs> so the first paperclip was patented in the U.S. in 1867, but the British gem type was has never been patented. The gem is the uh, modern paperclip that everyone knows. During World War II, Norwegians wore paperclips on their labels as a symbol of resistance to the local Nazi authorities. The clips were to denote, soli- denote solidarity and unity. <laughs> Johan was born in Oskog, Holland, Akershus. I like how the paperclip has just become cult status <laughs> at yeah, this well, point. I like the quote, we are bound together. That makes sense. And <laughs> if you see someone wearing a paperclip, you're not going to think, he's the resistance. <laughs> We have it, one. Oh, sorry. It, it's like the um the good old um razor gangs. It's like oh he's got a razor gang. He's a gang member. Yeah, well also the uh unfortunately for Johan, I might have called him John earlier, but it's Johan Vela. Um the commemorative stamp and statue both show the gem paperclip rather than the Vela paperclip. Oh Awkward. no that did not age well. Yeah, someone messed up going and building the wrong paperclip. <laughs> so we have one more birthday. William Gibson, author of quite possibly the best introductory sentence to a book I've ever read. He was commissioned to write Neuromancer by uh, Terry Carr of Ace Science Fiction Specials. We've given a year to complete the work. He took it out of blind animal terror. Had an, uh, the obligation to write an entire novel, which he felt he was four or five years away from. In 1982, he saw the first 20 minutes of Blade Runner and thought, there's no way anybody's going to read my book because it's just ripped off from Blade Runner. (laughs) Yeah, it's a very similar aesthetic in in Neuromancer as there was in Blade Runner. He's also the guy that did Johnny Mnemonic, wasn't he? Yeah, Johnny Mnemonic was an earlier short story. His uh, sprawl books are all really good. And a lot of people only really know Neuromancer, but the other books are good as well, I think. But anyway, the quote I'm absolutely in love with is the opening line. The sky above the port was the color of television, tuned to a dead channel. Which, there's multiple ways to do that, depending on when you were born. So, born far enough back, a dead channel, it's just going to be static. And that's kind of how the sky looks on a rainy night in a city with terrible light pollution. And I love that imagery. Thing is that if you're born a bit later, it's bright blue because uh, TVs for a while had bright blue, no signal uh, displays. And then even uh, later after that, it's black, usually with a box that says no signal, which I'd be a bit worried about if I saw it in the sky. Well, it make it sound like it's the Truman Show. <laughs> yeah. So, Neuromancer was one of the first uh, mainstream cyberpunk stories, and is kind of the the one that really captures cyberpunk. Like Blade Runner has cyberpunk aesthetic, but um, it's sort of less cyberpunk than the book, which is you know it's. I could talk for hours about cyberpunk history. I'm not going to. Not not yet. Anyway. And what's amazing is that William Gibson, who's responsible for, you know, creating uh, cyberpunk literature, he wrote this all on a typewriter. 
He didn't own a computer. Even oh, now, that- he's not really a computer person from what <laughs> I've gathered. Oh, that must suck, though. Can you imagine there's, like, a little bit of a typo in the in in the, uh, in the paragraph? And you're like, damn it, I have to retype this whole damn thing. Yeah, that was life for people for over 100 years. I wonder what would um, William Gibson say about cyberpunk nowadays, though, as a as a genre. You, what would he say? Um, you know, I swear I've heard what he had to say about uh, in the last couple of years, but now I don't remember what it was. I might look that up and see if I can find it for the show notes. But one of his other quotes that I love is, the future is already here, it's just not evenly distributed, which is one of the themes of cyberpunk that... You have the a really stratified society of rich people with all the cool tech, poor people who have the cool tech cobbled together from whatever junk they find lying around, and being gangsters and druggies and all of that in high-tech world. Imagine William Gibson playing Cyberpunk 2077. Yeah, I wonder what his thoughts are on it. <laughs> he would, I bet you he would say, like, what the hell is this game? This is nothing like what I imagined. Actually, no, you know, be an even better game. Um, Deus Ex. Imagine him yeah, playing that. I'd be interested to hear what he thinks about modern um, cyberpunk stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he's got a really interesting perspective, even though he's not like, a big tech guy. And his birthday was on the 17th of March, and he is 73 years old. And for events of interest this week, we have another on the 15th of March, 1967. And the movie is titled Frankenstein Created Woman. <laughs> no, God did not create woman. Frankenstein did. <laughs> well, first God created woman, then Frankenstein created woman. <laughs> so directed by Terence Fisher and starring Peter Cushing and Susan Denberg. Uh, Baron Frankenstein acquired the body of a dead young maiden, Christina, and decides to use the soul of a recently executed young man to bring her back to life. With the memories of the young man intact, she starts to kill the people whose false accusations led to the man's murder. And it's the fourth film in Hammer's Frankenstein series. (laughs) Apparently the Hammer uh, movies are really out there. Yeah, and... Martin Scorsese picked the movie as part of the 1987 National Film Theatre season of his favourite film, saying, if I single this one out, it's because here they actually isolate the soul. The implied metaphysics are close to something sublime. I didn't know you could get so philosophical about the fourth movie in a (laughs) Hammer Horror series. But he did. So for those curious, what are the Hammer Horror ones? These are the original series of films consisting of uh, seven films seven installments and they they were starring iconic horror actors such as peter cushing and christopher lee as baron baron victor frankenstein and his creature respectively um the hammer horror there there's it's actually from the um hammer film productions which is a british film production company based in london in 1934 they're best known for a series of gothic horror and fantasy films from the mid 1950s until the 1970s so you could say these were the gr- these are the granddads. So that's all we have for this week. Actually, no, it's not quite. I forgot about the uh, TNC shout out. 
one of the newest podcasts to join that's not canon, which recently passed over 100 member podcasts, is uh, uh, Mordor She Wrote. Oh, yeah. It's a podcast about two girls. Uh, one's a self-acclaimed uh, self claimed Tolkien scholar. One doesn't know anything about Tolkien. Reading through Lord of the Rings and discussing it. One chapter at a time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's going to take them a while, but... <laughs> Where are they going to start, though? I mean, there's like, there'd be like, there's so much of it, isn't there? Well, you start with chapter one. <laughs> I, I get that, but like, there's a lot, there there are uh, a lot more. Well. Like, there's the backstory and the. Yeah. You can probably, like, they've got a token scholar, or at least someone who wants to be one. So you kind of just start with the the. Lord of the Rings, and then you go into the backstory. Like you wouldn't want to start with the Silmarillion because that's basically the Bible. <laughs> but that's all we have for tonight. So uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Uh, Instagram. <laughs> uh, that- DJ, I'm, I can't do this. You do. The- <laughs> <laughs> um, they can find us also on that'snotcanon.com, where we have an archive of our old episodes and also some new That's Not Canon podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube, where we have a YouTube channel now. We'll be getting that. Um, we'll be getting some YouTube content up and running, uh, hopefully. Yeah. So look after yourself. Stay hydrated, and we'll see you next week. See you guys. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.